Well, greetings, greetings, and welcome to the show. This is Wrong Place, Right Crime. I'm your host, Frank Zafiro, and this is an open and shut episode with Lawrence Maddox. Now, Larry is one of the grifters, having penned episode number 14, The Down and Out, which dropped on February 1st, and he has a little bit to say about that. He also has probably one of the coolest uh, why I use a shortened version of my name stories that you're ever going to hear. Uh, but before we get to Larry, uh, I do want to tell you, or should I say Lawrence, that Wrong Place Where Right Crime is proudly sponsored by Down and Out Books. Down Out Books is a mid-sized publisher of crime fiction, most of it at the grittier and darker end of the spectrum. If that's something you might enjoy, you can find out more at their website, downandoutbooks.com. That's downandoutbooks, all spelled out, dot com. Down Out Books, take the journey with us. And now let's meet the author of Down and Out, A Grifter's Song, episode number 14, Lawrence Maddox. Well, hello, Lawrence, and welcome to the show. Hey, Frank. How's it going? It's good to be here. Actually, it's weird to call you Lawrence because we talk offline occasionally, and it's always Larry. Um, so but Lawrence is your professional name, I guess. Lawrence is uh, my professional name. Really, in real life, only my mom calls me that, and that's when I'm in trouble. But um, I'm, um, I decided on Lawrence over Larry because uh, I guess I thought I like Lawrence Block a lot. Oh, yeah. Um, Who doesn't? Great writer. Uh, but I, I also, maybe the clincher for me was Lawrence Tierney, um, who uh, is sort of the uh, badass of 1940s and 1950s film noir. Um, he was a guy who was in a lot of cool movies, Double Thumbs Ride, Born to Kill, Dillinger. Um, but really was this wild, out-of-control character. You ever hear of him? Uh, no, but I can see that. I can see why you'd want to do that you're pretty wild out of control yourself <laughs> no i'm not i'm pretty mellow i'm not i'm pretty mellow i actually had dinner with lawrence tierney like really uh, right around when he did reservoir Do uh, i mean not reservoir dogs right right around when lawrence tierney did reservoir dogs that's right is he the older guy in there the the, the handler he's the older guy yeah oh, yeah it's um, one given out everybody their set. colors yeah that's right he's yeah He's the, he's the ringleader, and um, I guess on set he got into a fight. Of course, it's Lawrence Tierney with uh, Tarantino, and got kicked off the movie. Oh my god! Um, <laughs> yeah, he also got kicked off Seinfeld. He pulled a he he pulled a prop knife that he was trying to steal on Jerry Seinfeld, and he was going to be a recurring character on the show, and uh, that, but that was the end of that. He, oh my was, god. he pulled a knife on Jerry and freaked him out. So that irascible nature where he. Telling somebody, you know, some other guy on some other job is Mr. Black. You're Mr. Pink. And all that is probably not that far from his personality, huh? Yeah. He probably had to tone it down for the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, I had I had, a, I had a dinner with Lawrence Tierney once and he threw a punch at me. Oh, my God. Uh, Why? Yeah. Just for no reason. He said I, I made an, a sudden move. And he was an old guy at the time. He was old and I was in my 20s. And so... It did. He didn't hit me, and I think he missed me on purpose. But I could feel the wind from the punch, <laughs> right to my face. It was a left jab, and I all these thoughts went through my mind. Should I? I don't want to punch him. He's older. He's an old guy. You're I, not going to win that, you know. Me. Either you got beat up by an old guy, or you beat up an old guy. Either way, you lose. There's no winning. Oh. Uh, so I guess that's a long way to say I'm going with. I'm going with Lawrence. It just said there's some there's a big crime element there. <laughs> that is the, that is the best explanation for going with Lawrence over Larry that I've ever heard. 
So you are uh, a fellow grifter, uh, brought you on board for season three and uh, your episode, uh, Down and Out, uh, which is episode 14, second episode of this season, uh, is dropping on February 1st. And uh, for those people who haven't read it yet, maybe you could give us a thumbnail sketch of what they can expect uh, the setup to be. Sure. Um, Sam and Rachel uh, are two protagonists and um, con artists extraordinaire um, are going to pick up the threads uh, of an old con in Hollywood uh, from like a couple years ago. And they're going to return to town, picking up their old identities, which, of course, in itself is fraught with peril. And um, uh, they're going to uh, basically target a guy who's got a lot of money and he's going to want to spend it on becoming a movie star. And so they're going to con him. But, of course, uh, their past comes back to haunt them and um, really try to take him down. And Sam ends up, uh, uh, I don't want to give too much away, but Sam ends up on the street without any money or um, even shoes. And uh, Rachel has to fend for herself. Yeah, you you took an approach that a lot of the authors haven't uh, so far, in that the team kind of gets broken up for the majority of this uh, of this episode. Sam does end up on the street, as you mentioned. Uh, you shared with me when we were writing that when you were writing this, and we were going through the editing process, that having Sam experience homelessness firsthand, um, you know, it wasn't just a whim for you. It kind of has some some personal meaning to it. That's right. Um, so yeah, I sort of borrowed an element from my own personal history to help tell Sam's backstory and to explain why um, homelessness for Sam is uh, it may, it's a big deal. It's something he really fears. Um, my dad came from a big Irish Catholic family, and uh, he had an older brother, Pat. And Pat would come over, Uncle Pat, for me, he would come over to our house and his kids and play. And he was a great guy until he just suddenly stopped coming over, and. Uh, I asked my parents why, and I never really got a good answer. I was a kid at the time, elementary school. Um, anyway, a couple of years later, in my hometown, I can remember in my mind, it was on the corner of York Boulevard and Avenue 63, there was uh, this this panhandler just showed, suddenly appeared. And he was this tall, gaunt, bearded, straggly-looking dude. And he would he was right there in front of Bob's Bookstore, which was my go-to place for comic books and um, paperback books. And I... I um, and as a side note, uh, my brother, my older brother, Mitch, used to go into Bob's with a big oversized army surplus jacket and shoplift books. <laughs> and uh, he made out with a lot of books until he finally got thrown out. But anyway, my that was my brother, Mitch. And my brother told me, do you know, have you noticed this homeless guy out, this, this bum out in front of Bob's books? And I was like, yeah, I, I, I've seen him there a lot. He said, well, that's your Uncle Pat. And uh, I, was, I was blown away by that. Wow, I, asked, yeah. I was like, what? I didn't believe him. And so uh, I asked my dad, and my dad did, said, yeah, that's, that, that's your Uncle Pat. And uh, apparently he just, he just, his, he was, had, was a horrible alcoholic and um, just, just gave himself completely over to the bottle, lost his family, and lived on the street. And um, I know somehow word leaked out to my friends that that's, that's Larry's uncle that's on the corner over there by Bob's Books. And I deny it. I was like, no way. My uncle's, that's not my uncle. But then I felt guilty about it. And I was like, well, okay, that's fine. That's my uncle, um, which even made it worse. And like they would, kids would harass him and throw stuff at him and push him around. And it was, I was in elementary school. It was a hard thing for me to wrap yeah, my mind around. Sure. 
And um, it also made me think, you know, that's my Uncle Pat. If he could be homeless, can anybody could be homeless? It's, it's like these, that's my uncle out there. But um, yeah, so I, I borrowed that. I borrowed my uncle. I gave Sam my Uncle Pat. Um, I gave him an uncle who uh, lost his house and lost everything and really instilled in Sam this fear of being on the streets, you know, which is, you know, which which I could identify with and which really helped me flesh out um, that, that character, that character um, of Sam, that part of Sam. Well, and that's one of the wonderful things about this anthology series, at least for me, is that everybody brings not only a different way of telling stories and a different idea of how to approach the, the whole premise, but uh, every author adds an element to the personality of either Sam or Rachel or sometimes both. And, you know, when I, created Sam way back when I, I didn't know he had an uncle and I didn't know he had this fear specifically of being homeless, but it fits the character. And so when you suggested it, it was like a, just like a key slide into a lock. It was a perfect fit. Um, and you executed it really well. I understand though, that you didn't get through the writing process, uh, completely unscathed. <laughs> oh man, that's right. Yeah. I, um, Yes, it was right about when I was writing my synopsis, and it was just about too when just right before quarantines were starting to take effect, uh, the coronavirus quarantines. Um, I herniated a disc in my neck. Um, it's they call it a, it's like a C six C seven. That's like where the joints are, and those are up in your neck. My I, my doctor, yeah, my doctor said it's the same thing that happened to uh, Peyton Manning. And, um, I, I didn't have a lot of pain in the beginning and I'm not even quite sure how I did it. Uh, there was one time I was, I'm pretty tall. I was chasing my little daughter around my house and I slammed headfirst into a chandelier. That might've done it. Um, <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm like five, six and shrinking cause I'm in my fifties now. So like slamming my head into a chandelier is just that that's never a sentence I would even think to utter. <laughs> but I feel, I feel for you tall guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, until yeah, I have I to re- get something off the top shelf. That's <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wasn't in like a lot of pain at first. I just, it's like the right side of my body went offline. I just, I I lost a lot of power in my right arm. Um, it was freaky. Um, and uh, I didn't know what happened. I saw, I took, got an MRI and I noticed, I saw it and I saw, we saw, we saw that there, like my neck had blasted out into my spinal column and into the nerves around it. And right about then, like the pain started to kick in. And let me tell you, it was, I've been in car, I've been in accidents. I've, I've broken bones. It's like nothing I've ever experienced before. Um, and it was scary. Um, cause there was, there's no guarantee you come back from these things. And, um, it's, and it's scary when you can't, when you've lost your right arm. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. Um, and it's a type of type of pain where you just you can't sleep at night, and it's it's the best thing I can I can liken it to is when you a dentist is poking around in your mouth and he hits a nerve in your tooth, and it's excruciating. And so like my I my disc was hitting a nerve where it was hitting nerves all around my neck, and it was basically just shooting down through the rest of my body. And um, so I uh, I. You know, again, I guess it's the way I do. I try to connect with my stories and my characters in a way that's personal to me. And I, I created this character, Daredevil Don Kaboski, who was who kind of helps Sam out. He's homeless um, because he's got a neck injury just like mine, 
and he's become an opiate, opiate addict and he's just lost everything because he can't work. He's dependent on drugs to ease the pain. And, um, I think it helped me kind of work out my issues, just writing your story. I got to thank you for that, Frank. <laughs> but you're better now, right? I'm better now. Okay. I'm better now. I didn't. Good. I opted not to get the surgery because Peyton Manning got the surgery and they botched it. It didn't help. He's got, had like two or three surgeries since then. And I'm thinking if Peyton Manning, who's probably has the best doctors in the world, couldn't get it fixed right, maybe I should just let time sort of figure it out. And so <laughs> I did. I did be. a lot of research. I really. Um, I did a lot of walking. I did everything I could find out to do. I had a good physical therapist. And now it's like, I'm not completely back, but like I can sleep at night and I can pick my daughter up again. I can live my life again. And so I'm not totally back, but I'm on the way back. And I'm, it's like a different world for me now. Well, I'm uh, asking all the Grifter song writers this question, but you may have already answered part of it. Uh, uh, what What was the easiest thing about writing this uh, series, uh, this episode for you, and what was the most difficult? Now, if the most difficult was your neck, I totally understand. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you, the easiest thing for me was um, it was entering this world that was already so well drawn. I mean, I got it. I got this world right away. Um, I read all the Gripper Songs stories, starting with your first one. And all the way through, uh, and uh, I just love this world. And I really love the idea of being a part of a series. I'm a, I'm a big fan of men's action-adventure novels from the 60s and 70s. Um, books like, uh, you know, the Nick Carter books or uh, The Expediter, um, which are kind of written under house names often, but there's a bunch of different authors. And sometimes the books are okay, and sometimes you get an author working under a pseudonym like um, Manning Lee Stokes, who's incredible. And you and it's, and um, I felt like reading your series that so many, if not all, were just these incredible pieces. And it, but yet they're all featuring Sam and Rachel. And so that was the easy, that was easy for me. And I really enjoyed it. And of course, working with you was great. I mean, it's not like I'm just working with an editor, which you also were an editor for me, but you also, this is your vision. And, um, you know, you never let me go astray with anything I may have created for these characters. And you, you, uh, you kept me in line. Uh, but in a way, I felt like I was still contributing something that was, that was my, in my own voice. And so that was, um, that, was, that was easy for me. It was really a, really a good experience for me. Well, I'm, I'm glad to hear that. That makes me feel good. That's what I think a, a, a good editor or showrunner or whatever you know, role that is uh, does for the individual writers to get the, that, that allows them to do their very best. Um, well, down and out um, is uh, out February 1st from down and out books, coincidentally. And uh, that's, that's your episode of the continuing adventures of Sam of Rachel and the grifter song. Uh, what is coming up for you outside of that? What, uh, what other projects do you have going? Oh, well, I'm glad you asked. I'm, um, uh, I just, I'm in the process of writing a story uh, for um, a sci-fi anthology. It's a sequel to um, Occupied Earth, which was edited by Richard Brewer and um, Gary Phillips. And uh, it takes place in um, the future after aliens have landed on Earth and, occupied, and took over Earth and occupied it. And um, it's a little bit of sci-fi. Uh, it's a little bit of crime. 
and um, working on that now and uh, release date sometime in 2021. Well, I love sci-fi. I think it is actually very much like crime fiction in that it allows you to say and do things that people might not normally be receptive to, uh, but because they're cloaked in different clothing, they they are more willing to consider it. So I'll look forward to that uh, story. And uh, I really want to thank you for being a part of a grifter song and for taking the time to come on the show. Oh, thank you very much, Frank. Uh, it's uh, It's been a pleasure. All right, folks, there you go. Lawrence Maddox adds to the mythology of a grifter song. A uh, really cool guy. Uh, looking forward to actually meeting him in person. He was recommended uh, by my good friend, uh, Eric Beatner, and uh, it was a, a great recommendation. He did an outstanding job on the down and out. And like each of the authors that have uh, added their own piece to the, the mosaic that has become this uh, series, uh, he brought his own spin so uh, and, and his own talents, and that's been really cool. Uh, speaking of really cool, I met uh, an author named Joseph Reed for the first time uh, when I interviewed him for next week's episode. He writes uh, thrillers, and his hero is uh, sort of an air marshal, and so the settings ha- have to do with airports and airplanes and other aircraft. Uh, but uh, there's more to it than that, and uh, it sounds really cool. And I had a great conversation with him, and that'll be next week on Wrong Place, Right Crime. Quick Zafiro update for you. Uh, a reminder that uh, Sugar Got Low, my collection of short stories, uh, is now available. 13 short stories uh, from myriad of disparate places collected together uh, with a killer cover from Zach McCain. Uh, I want to say thanks to Larry for coming on the show and for being part of a grifter song uh, to Down Out Books for publishing it and for being the sponsor of the show and to you, the listener, for being here for another week and uh, checking out the authors that, that come on here to talk about their work. I hope you uh, seek out their uh, stories and uh, that they uh, bring you whatever you're looking for when you read. Joseph Reed, next episode on Wrong Place, Right Crime. Until then, this is Frank Zafiro reminding you that sometimes you got to be in the wrong place to write crime.